Does that music make anybody want to fight? Yeah. yeah, all right. That's perfect. Don't go, don't, don't go, yeah, don't go, don't go punching people on the way home, okay? All right, guys. Uh, so I want to share a story with you guys. Uh, I spent a year interning with a campus ministry uh, years ago at NC State. Uh, I was trying to figure out what, you know, what kind of ministry did I want to go into. And, and so uh, this, I don't know if you've ever been to Raleigh NC State. The central part of their campus is known as the Brickyard, and just a massive area, which is kind of central to everything on campus. And um, everybody on campus uh, knew Gary, the Brickyard preacher, okay? And he was that guy. He was the guy that you would expect. He was the guy who was always raving and screaming and yelling and arguing, condemning everybody he could. You know, everyone's going to hell. You're going to hell. Didn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You weren't the right kind of Christian. And like, and I mean, just everything, the whole experience was actually uh, often entertaining, but as a Christian, often very sad as well. As you saw someone who claimed the same Jesus that you claimed uh, and the things that he was saying and doing. So this one day, uh, I was kind of cutting through the brickyard uh, for something, and, and Gary was at it again. This time, as often, Gary drew a crowd. So people would gather up around him. They would heckle him, argue with him, make fun of him, you know, the whole nine yards. And so I sat there just to, you know, be entertained, and, and things were getting really heated this day. And, and he was saying some pretty controversial things, and, 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 and then it happened. A crazy guy with a cane. He hobbled up while Gary's ranting and raving and yelling and condemning. He hobbled up, dropped his cane. I guess he was healed miraculously, right? But he dropped his crane, chain, cane and started choking Gary, the brickyard preacher, with both hands. Like he had that crazy look in his eye and he was like trying to kill Gary, the brickyard preacher right there. And so I did what any Christian young man would do and I just, I just sat there and watched it all play down. Um, <laughs> And then, like, so you think Gary would resist at that point, right? Uh, and he would try to relieve the strangle hold. No. Both his hands go on top of the crazy guy with the cane's head, uh, uh, his head. And he said, tries to cast out a demon. Demons, be gone! In the name of Jesus, I drive thee out! And he's saying all these things, yelling. And, and there's this whole scene. One guy's trying to murder him. This guy's trying to cast a demon. And here I am, not getting up from my seat, but just watching the whole thing go down. And, um, and then, uh, ironically, uh, about all the situation is, is the two men that end up breaking up this attempted murder slash exorcism, uh, event, uh, one was a Muslim and one was atheist. They were the guys, the guys that Gary was just condemning to hell. Okay. And, and they're the guys that broke it up. And, and I was like, I went and talked to those guys later. I was like, Hey guys, I mean, I'm a Christian. We were just going to let them go. We were willing to count our losses. You know what I'm saying? That's a joke, guys. That's a joke. I didn't really say that, But um, I actually did get a chance to follow up with both those guys. And I actually uh, had, had lunch one time with, those, uh, with that Muslim guy and a couple of friends. I was able to share the Jesus, you know, story with them for the first time ever. So something cool came out of something crazy, I guess. But, um, you know, Gary the Brickyard Preacher tried to cast out a demon. Demons be gone! out of the crazy cane guy. But you know, when you hear stories like that, all, instantly everybody is like, come on, seriously, right? Or, or you hear words like, like demon possession, and our instant reaction oftentimes is to, is to check out. Or we hear things like spiritual war, or Satan, or angels, or, or demons. And a lot of times people hear these terms, they, they tend to check out, and they, oh, that's fairy tale. 
that, that's fantasy land, you know, or people may believe in it to some extent, but they don't think it really affects their everyday life very much. So people tend to uh, not take it or you too seriously when you speak of those things. They check out. Now, people like Gary, the Brickyard preacher, or other television preachers who are doing some pretty crazy stuff don't really help the image of that a whole lot. Uh, last week, I, I referenced this guy named C.S. Lewis. Uh, he, he wrote a bunch of books, a great Christian thinker uh, from the previous generation. And uh, one of the books, Screwtape Letters, uh, it's a fictional representation of how the enemy deceives us. And so how demons like might approach their task at, at keeping us away from God. And so uh, this book is uh, a series of letters uh, from an experienced demon uh, by the name of Screwtape, uh, writing to his young nephew, inexperienced demon nephew, Wormwood. All right? And their, their, their whole job is to lead people away from who do they, they refer to as the enemy, God. And so there's a lot of aha moments. If you never read this book, I would encourage you to uh, check it out. It's a, it's a quick, uh, easy read, but it's something that will really make you think about uh, what might be going on behind the scenes. And, and I want to read this one little um, excerpt from you. Uh, he, he says, my dear Wormwood, Screwtape writes, he says, I, I wonder you should ask me whether it is essential to keep the patient, okay, that's, that's us or the, this uh, Christian, uh, the, it, uh, is it essential to keep the patient in ignorance of your own existence. That question, at least for the present phase of the struggle, has been answered for us by the high, com high command. Our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We are really faced with a cruel dilemma. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of direct terrorism, and we make no magicians. On the other hand, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialist and skeptics. You know, wouldn't it make sense if, if this is one of Satan's biggest tactics was for us to not take him seriously? Wouldn't that make sense if he was trying to lead us astray? And so that may very well be one of the things that we're experiencing in our culture is where, uh, as, as Wormwood or as Screwtape writes, our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. And for us, you know, like if we, it's easy for us to view all of our reality just through the physical senses, you know, what we can feel and touch and smell and hear and, and what we can learn uh, empirically. And, and so uh, we, we tend to only view reality through the natural lenses. And if we did that, if we followed that course of thinking throughout everything, then we would completely miss God because God himself is spirit. You know, and, and so we, we, we'd also be missing the whole realm of creation that God has created that is beyond the physical. And the scripture says there's, there's a lot more to this than just this. And so, so last week we kicked off the series called Battlefield. And it, it's on spiritual warfare. We looked at Ephesians 6 where, where the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church there. And, and he's telling us <clears throat> that evil exists. And he's telling us that there's evil at work in the spiritual realm. And more, uh, more specifically, he's telling us how we stand our ground as Christians. How do we stand firm in this, if this war is, is, is waging? How do we stand firm? It, stand firm. How, how, so now enter the, the sword. This is Excalibur, by the way. Mike Wilson, um, 
Uh, last week, if you're here last week, we kicked off a series. I had my friend Ferdinand, who's the knight in not-so-shining armor over there. And uh, he uh, didn't really have an adequate sword. So Mike Wilson's like, hey, man, I got swords. And so here you go. This thing is heavy, and it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It makes me feel very masculine. Do I look masculine? <laughs> yeah? I mean, this thing's heavy. No? Okay. All right. I tried. Um, so, but, but here we, we talked about last week about what Paul gives us um, the res- or tells us that God has given us the resources to defend ourselves in this war that we're at. Again, it's not a spiritual war. It's not a physical war. It's a spiritual war. Uh, and so, uh, does anybody remember the armor of God? We had things like the helmet of what? Anybody remember? Helmet of, what'd you say? Anybody? Salvation. The helmet, that's why I asked you. Uh, the, the helmet of salvation, all right? All right, the, the belt. What is the belt? The belt of truth, okay? That's what holds everything together. How about the breastplate of righteousness, all right? Breastplate, and what am I missing? The shoes, the, uh, the shoes fitted with what? The, yeah, the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Am I missing anything? The shield. Shield of what? Shield of faith, that's right. And then, and so the cool thing about all those is that those are all like defensive measures. You know what I'm saying? Those, you're safe, okay, I think. Um, uh, Those are all defensive measures. They're all things to protect you. They're all things to help keep you from from getting struck or getting injured. And there's one offensive weapon that Paul gives us, and that is what? The sword of the Spirit, which is, come on guys, you can talk. The word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's what Paul tells us is our offensive weapon. That's how we do damage. That's how we protect ourselves. And that, I mean, uh, can you imagine being in battle with, with all the, the defensive armor and no sword? You know what I'm saying? That would be crazy. That would be absolutely crazy. And so Ephesians 6.12 says, uh, Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And so all those are different ways of essentially saying, you know what, uh, there's, there's more to the story, there's more to this war than what we can see. There's, there's a whole lot going on underneath the surface in the spiritual realms in this battle. And so for, it's easy for us to say, you know, evil is real, but it's a little less clear uh, for us to explain uh, how the unseen spiritual forces of evil uh, impact our lives, you know? So this week on the battlefield, as we continue talking about uh, uh, the spiritual war, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about who we are fighting against. Who we are fighting against. You know, part of our story as we look at this battlefield, you know, like oftentimes what we see in our life, in my life, your life, our culture at large, is we reject what is authentic in favor of the counterfeit that tells us what we want to hear. I want to say that again. We often reject what is authentic, what is real, in favor of the counterfeit, that which is not real, uh, that tells us what we want to hear. So in other words, like we're not always concerned with the truth. If, if we can hear something and it, and it fits what we want to hear, then we'll, we'll often accept that. All right, so I want you to go all the way back to the beginning of the scriptures, Genesis chapter 3. All right, you may be familiar with the story. 
It's our first interaction with Satan in the form of a crafty serpent. He's actually referred to as in, in that way multiple times in scriptures. But this is the famous Adam-Eve story, you know, where uh, uh, God put them in the, the Garden of Eden. Uh, there was complete harmony between man and woman and, 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 and people and God. And, and they gave him one rule, don't eat the fruit from this tree. And, and Satan comes and he tempts them uh, to eat the forbidden fruit. What happens, they sever the, the perfect harmony between God and man, and they're kicked out of the garden. And uh, if you haven't read all that, you know, go to Genesis 3 this week, read that. It's, it's foundational to our faith, to the storyline of who we are. And here's the thing, as Satan tempted them, there was no like subliminal messages going on. There was no uh, crazy like witchcraft going on. The adversary, Satan, was just saying the very opposite of what God had told Adam and Eve. God said, don't eat. What does Satan say? Eat. You know? And, and they did. And so that's part of our narrative is we will often, if we're not careful, we will bend to what we want to hear rather than what is true and authentic. You know, their excuse to God, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake. You know, and, 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 you know, that's what we do today, don't we? We're always looking to blame. Now, we all fall short. We all sin. We all, we, we, you know, we all are, uh, experience brokenness. We all experience pain. But we've also been equipped to, to be victorious against our adversary. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And um, so, so as we're in this battle, uh, as we're talking about our enemy, um, I, I want to read this quote from The Art of War by Sun Tzu. This is an ancient uh, uh, book, and uh, it's about, you know, just the art of war. How do you win in battle and combat? And so they may be talking about physical war, but I want to see how this applies uh, to, to us. Uh, it, it writes, it is said that if you know your enemies and know yourself, you will not be imperiled in a hundred battles. If you do not know your enemies, but you do know yourself, you will win one, lose one. If you do not know your enemies nor yourself, you will be imperiled in every single battle. So the important thing is this, is we need to know who we are, but we need to know more than that. We need to know who we're fighting against. We need to know the enemy or we're going to get picked off. We need to know who the devil is and how he attacks us, so we, as the scripture says, so we can stand firm. And so we're going to look at the uh, Satan, we're going to look at his angels real quick, and we're going to expose uh, part of his battle plan. Uh, so, so first of all, who is Satan? All right. Who is Satan? Well, in the Hebrews, it's Satan. All right. That's transliteration for us. And, and, and it means uh, accuser or adversary. All right. You catching the flavor there? Like it's someone who's against you. Uh, it's the one who opposes God. It's the one who opposes God's will. It's the one who opposes us who are, who are trying to uh, trust God. He's also called the devil, which again means to accuse. It means to slander. In addition, uh, there's all these other hosts of names uh, referenced for the, uh, the devil, and a few of them. Uh, he's called the tempter. 
Uh, he's called a deceiver. He's called a liar and the father of lies. He's called a destroyer. So we see all these things, all these descriptions or all these names for Satan, and none of them are good. Uh, in fact, he's the bad guy. He's described also as pretending to be an angel of light. This is where things get a little tricky. He's also sneaky and he's deceitful. 2 Corinthians 11 Verse 14, 15, it says, For Satan himself he masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. So Satan, he, he, he was an angel. He was a powerful angel, uh, and it, but he is still one of God's creations. All right. It seems like there was a hierarchy in, in angels in the angelic realm. You know, some were more powerful, some were, were less. And, and so it seems like Satan was part of a, a powerful uh, a, a class of angels, but he is still a created being. You know, um, we often talk about the fall of humanity. You know, I just talked about when Adam and Eve, they, they fell into temptation, they disobeyed God. And, and, and at that moment... Um, Humanity has been severed from that perfect relationship with God. Hence, the Jesus story unfolds. But do you know there was a fall before the fall as we know it? That was the fall of humanity, but there was a fall from in the angelic realm uh, way before that. And that's when Satan, in his own free will, the same free will that you and I have to choose God or to reject God, he gave the angelic beings, and, and Satan chose to rebel against God and chose to reject God. And you know, he wasn't alone. What we call demons are Satan's messengers. They're other fallen angels, not as powerful, and they chose to side with Satan. They're not ghosts. They're not uh, spirits of people who have passed and choose to accompany Satan. No, they're angels who have fallen, who have rejected God on their own free will. And now they actively work to turn the world away from God. They interact with the, they interact, uh, with the physical world from the spiritual realm. Uh, they are created beings. They have finite influence. You know, they're not infinite. They're, they're not all-powerful. Satan's not all-powerful, uh, not omnipresent. They can't be everywhere at once. Uh, they're not omniscient. They don't know everything. Uh, but they work to oppose God and mankind. And though they are, are, are defeated enemies, they are still active until re Jesus returns again and he casts them in hell, which was created specifically for the devil and his angels. Jude 6 gives us a little peek uh, into uh, the, the limiting uh, that God has placed on them. It says, And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these fallen angels, uh, he, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. And so Satan's de demons, they work in tandem uh, to oppose God, to keep us separated from him by manipulating the truth away from God uh, and using deceit and temptation and oppression, and oppression. So while they're limited in their influence, we've already like 
we've already come to grips with the fact in the garden that we're not so good at uh, fighting this battle on our own. And so it's moments like this where we need to know our enemy, we need to know ourselves, so we can be, so we can stand firm. So I want to give us uh, three battlegrounds that Satan tries to fight, uh, fight us on. And I think the more that we can be aware where Satan is trying to fight us, uh, uh, the more that we can be ready to stand firm, the more we can be ready to fight back and stand our ground. So here's the three battlegrounds. The first one is this, the battleground of the mind. The battleground of the mind. And you guys are like, yeah, I, I understand that. But I want you to know something about Satan. From the beginning, Satan has operated with a clear methodology, and that is to lie about the truth. That's been Satan's game plan. Lie about the truth. Make this lie sound like truth. Make this lie sound good, uh, but lie about it. And then uh, conversely, from the beginning, God has cre uh, operated with a clear methodology that truth conquers the lie. Truth conquers the lie. And so we see our minds, our mind is fair game for this battlefield. It's, it's a battle for truth, you know. It's this battle for, for, uh, for what's right, what's wrong, which way's up, which way's down. It's a battle for, for who is God. Back to the screw tape letters I mentioned earlier. Screw tape he writes to his demon nephew. He says, it's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. And some of you are thinking, hey, I know a few people who uh, maybe they've been tempted in that way. Where Satan's greatest weapon might just be willful ignorance of the truth. You know, uh, that Satan's greatest weapon might be not just feeling mistruth in our brain, but, but keeping truth out of our brain. And you know, don't we, we live in a soundbite culture, you know, where, where we like take little clips of little things and, and, and we'll take that and we'll ride that home. Or we'll uh, condense a big social issue into a 30-second clip. Or we'll take a, a political stance and we'll condense that into a meme. Or we'll take a belief... Uh, uh, a belief into a Bible verse taken out of context, and we'll put it, slap it on a pretty background, and, and that's all we need, right? But sometimes that doesn't help much. We need to make the, we need to make the father of lies, you know, the devil, we need to make him work a little harder. And the more truth becomes subjective in our culture, the more it doesn't matter for many people anymore. And see, when we feel about, uh, the way we feel something begins to take over how we think. And before long, we find ourselves uh, being reactive rather than proactive in our search or uh, search in our pursuit of truth. And people are less concerned with seeking truth and finding stuff that confirms what they already believe. You know, that is something we find ourselves is that we're, we're often looking for what's more convenient or something, or we're often looking for what fits in with what we want to hear. Conveniently leaving out the things that we don't want to hear. When we find ourselves not knowing what God's truth is and what his word says, you know, we make ourselves out to be easy targets. When we don't engage with God's word, remember the sword? The sword, like, 
uh, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, this was, this was the offensive weapon. I mean, can, I, when I was holding the mic, Mike uh, Wilson brought a bunch of swords up. He's like, hey, man, you're doing it wrong. You need, you need a sword. I'm like, okay, I can get behind that. And, um, and so he, he laid out a table full of swords. I'm not kidding. And so I picked this one, Excalibur. Um, but I was thinking, man, this thing's heavy. Like, I, I cannot imagine going to battle with a sword and this being the only thing between me and death. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, that would be, in, talk about adrenaline, that'd be intense. And, but what would be so much worse, as I mentioned earlier, is like, like going to battle without the sword. Listen, for, for, for those who don't engage God's word and don't hold on to his truth, you're going to battle without your weapon. That doesn't make sense, does it? We would never do that in real life. We would never do that in real life. Uh, but, but when we find ourselves not knowing what God's truth is and what his word says, we make ourselves ourself an easy target because God has given us his word as, our, as, as a sword of the spirit. It's why in the New Testament, over and over and over, uh, a lot of the New Testament uh, is written to correct false thinking or false teaching, or, or this way of thinking has crept into the church, and so Paul's writing to com- combat that, or Peter's writing to this situation, because they're afraid of all these uh, ideals that were not truth, were, keeping into, were creeping into the church. And so they spent so much time and effort uh, warning and teaching against these. Why? Because Satan was fighting a battleground for the mind, and he always has been. And he's continuing to do that today. So church, we need to continue to engage uh, uh, with our minds. The scripture says, love the Lord. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your what? All your mind, all your soul, all your strength, with everything. But we can't check our minds out of that as we continue to search for truth. Another battleground that Satan and his demons are fighting on is the battleground of the will. The battleground of the will. Now, this may be uh, what we often think of when we think of how Satan works. This may be the specific area, uh, perhaps. But this is when Satan attacks our will with temptation. And uh, this is how uh, Satan, uh, Satan tries to get us to do things we shouldn't do. And, and so we all have somewhere we shouldn't go. We all have someone we shouldn't be with. We all have something we shouldn't do. And so Satan is, is constantly tries to break down our will so we will go the places we shouldn't go, be with the people we shouldn't be with, and do the things that we shouldn't do. And those are the places, the exact places where Satan is going to try to attempt to lead you. There's ways that Satan will tempt me that wouldn't be a temptation for you and vice versa because, because there's certain things uh, that... Um, that, that will key in on each individual. But listen, he wants to be your accuser. He wants to destroy you. But the Holy Spirit wants to be your advocate. And he wants to protect you and guide you. We're told in Romans 8, verse 13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, if by the Spirit... You put the death and misdeeds of the body, you will live. And so we see that we're caught in this, this conundrum, life, death. 
you know, flesh and spirit. You know, so uh, like if we want to live by the flesh, that's our natural desires, the things that I want, the things that I, I need, the things that uh, I'm worried about, then that path leads to death. But if we, if we go the path of God and live by his spirit, that's the path that lives to life. And listen, Satan is constantly trying to draw our will, the battleground of our will, to those things which lead to death, the things of the flesh. And that's why sanctification, this big word that we talk about in the church sometimes, is this process of, of becoming holy, becoming righteous more and more and more like Jesus, day by day, month by month, year by year, that we grow in our faith. So, so when we, through this process of sanctification, we see the Holy Spirit at work in our life. And what Satan would have us to run to, the Holy Spirit helps us to run from it and protect us and to guide us and lead us. Uh, a theologian, uh, Jack Cottrell, he says this, The more we actually walk in and practice righteousness, the stronger we will be. And so the church is why we have to constantly fight on the battleground of the will. So we become, walk more and more in righteousness and we can grow stronger and stronger. The battleground of the will. The third battleground that Satan and his demons um, often uses is the battleground of the body. Like that's the physical flesh, blood, body. Like we all get it. We all see it. Now, here's the thing. For, for a secular Western culture that we're kind of in, like most people are skeptical about like demon possession or oppression or, uh, or things like that. And I agree, it's difficult to see past what we can see and feel and touch. And, and, um, but the Bible does talk about demon possession. And in fact, we see Jesus and his disciples casting out, exorcising uh, demons uh, a number of times. And, and while everyone doesn't trust that this is real, and, you know, and, and only makes our skepticism grow even more, we see things like Gary the Brickyard Preacher, you know, devil be gone, demons be gone, and we see guys on TV doing crazy stuff, and it just grows our skepticism about these things, but is it possible that a screw tape told Wormwood that we would be best off, if, they would be best off if we stayed ignorant of their existence? You know, there's too many stories that I've heard, there's too many people I've met, there's too many experiences uh, of, of people who have encountered the spiritual realm in very real ways that can't be explained away. In fact, if you go to other, uh, other parts of the world, you talk to missionaries who, who are more in, in more occultic or animistic environments where, uh, where they are openly inviting uh, the, the, the spiritual realm, um, the spiritual forces of evil in, you will see and hear more and more uh, stories that would be incredible, but I think it's possible that America is in a time where um, they're saying, hey, it's just best that they stay ignorant of our existence. But I want us to say this, that, that Satan will use the physical world to beat you down. Like whether that's possession or oppression, it, it could take form uh, in sickness like, let me be clear, I'm not saying that every sickness is demonic, and I'm not saying every uh, uh, depression or anxiety or any of these things are, are demonic, uh, but I'm saying there's a chance that they could be, there's a chance that we could be being attacked, 
And uh, it, there's a chance that it could be a tool that he is using. And so if it, there seems to be unnatural influences in your life, like, don't just presume everything that seems physical is strictly physical. You know? But there's spiritual behind the physical. And that's when we look at the problems of other people. We can't just look at someone else's problem and just completely address it as just a physical problem. There's a spiritual behind their physical problems. And, and sometimes when people open themselves up, they invite evil in. Now, this isn't like meant to produce fear in Christian, because we know that if we, if we continue to stay focused on Jesus and fill with the Spirit, then he will guide us and he will lead, lead us. Ephesians 4, 27 says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, here's the thing about that, that verse. He's talking about the context of anger, like don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold to develop your anger and to, to rage and, and malice and doing more stupid stuff. But that principle still stands true that, that we're to live in such a way that we don't give the devil a foothold. You know, like don't give him any leverage. Don't give him a way in. But sometimes our lives might look more like a rock climbing wall, you know? Man, hey, just, this beginner's level, you know? I can just climb right on up. I can just, I, can, I got a foothold, a handhold everywhere I, I turn. And our lives look more like a ladder uh, than uh, give, and so we give the devil easy access. So, church, I want to challenge us today where we started with James 4 7. Submit yourselves. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Like, Satan wants you to not take him very seriously. He wants you to not take God very seriously. I think Satan would be content that if you didn't believe in him very much, but also if you believed in God just a little bit. I think Satan would be content if you believed in God, but you didn't let that impact your life at all. But when we submit to God, as the scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know what submitting to God looks like? Submitting God to God looks a lot like saying yes, like a big old fat yes. Like, what is it? Yes. I don't care what it is. Yes. And sometimes we come to God like, uh, God, I'll say yes if it fits into what I'm thinking. God, I'll say yes if it fits into what I want to do. I'll, I'll say yes as long as it's something, something I'm comfortable with. But God doesn't want a yes if. He doesn't want a yes but. God wants us to come to him with a big fat yes. And so, church, I want to ask you, is there, do you need to say yes to him? Do you need to say yes to him in any ways? Is there, is there a way in your life that you need to submit to God and say yes to him? Maybe you're here and you've never really said yes to, to God at all in your life. Well, that invitation has always been opened by Jesus. We believe in him and trust in him. You know, we're baptized into his name. We're, we're united with his family and we are on this journey of following him. Maybe that's a place where you need to say yes to him. Maybe you need to say yes to him with your mind. You say, you know what? My mind has been overtaken and overrun, and I know it's a battleground there, and I'm afraid to tell anyone about it. And maybe you need to say, yes, God, I'm going to submit to you with my mind. 
Maybe you need to say yes with your will. You, you, you see over and over and over that this, this, this battlefield is, is, is going crazy inside of you. And you need to say, declare it, yes, Lord. Or maybe with your body. And you say, yes, God, I submit to you. Because we're living in a battlefield. And we're told to submit to God. And resist the devil. And he will flee from you.